There is a revolution happening, a love revolution, and today's guest unpacks how. Stemming from long before COVID, this concept emerged, but the conversation starts in today around the blessings of love that are existing in this very season. And even though everyone is wishing away 2020, there is opportunity to still show up in love. She shares about her history and truly understanding what love is and how she came to learn the fullness of God's love, which actually didn't happen until after she had children. And as many of you may know, as a listener, this is a big part of my story too. So I totally understand and relate to her and am incredibly grateful for organizations like MOPS who help us through the isolation of those beginning months and years in motherhood. Anyhow, after leaving the Happiness Project a while back, she awoke with a concept from the Lord about a service project and asking God, how can she continually serve? Later, while sitting in a church pew, God revealed to her the monetary love offering. And while everything has a purpose, I did not record this intro until a couple of weeks after we went live. And it's so wild how God shows up over and over again in affirmation and understanding of things. So I've been unpacking this concept of wealth and money and richness and what that looks like through the lens of the world and what that looks like through the lens of God. And so God is a God of love. He is a God of abundance and it is all encompassing in how he blesses us in response to our active obedience and love. And I cannot wait for you to hear how she unpacks, you know, Jesus's love and God's love through us and how we are actual beings of love. So tune in to her beautiful podcast, The Love Offering, which of course you're here at the Fit and Faith Podcast, so tune in here first, but then go and show her some love, give us some reviews, talk to us and interact with us so we can become not only uh, community members, but friends. And so I hope you guys just take a little piece here and realize that right now in this very day, you have the opportunity to love like Jesus. So enjoy the episode and her very sweet soul, and I'll talk with you guys soon. Bye. This is your God wink, the moment that heaven says, for such a time as this. It's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love whole foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that, so I'm wondering... If you're wondering, what is this? Well, this is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit and who and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. Hey, 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 friends. I'm so excited to be here for another live showing of the Fit and Faith Podcast. And my guest today, I cannot wait to unpack all the things. She's incredible. She's a writer, a speaker. She's also a podcaster. So you're in touch with a really good conversation today um, with the Love Offering Podcast. And Love Offering is the name of your business too, Rachel? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you guys... 
just you're going to be excited. You're going to be blessed. I have no doubt. Rachel, I would love for you to kind of do your own mini intro, and then we can kind of dive into all things backstory, right now story, future vision casting. We'll just unpack it. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me today as your guest. And we actually just recorded your spot on my show just a minute ago. And so you guys, you know, I know, obviously, your listeners love you, but I would love you probably usually are used to doing the interviewing. And so it's like now they can really hear your story more of you. Um, So I was just honored to have you on my show. But Um, As you kind of started off with our interview, you said, you know, it's hard to kind of say, like, this is who I am. and This is all the things that I do. And, you know, when really what we want to do is point other people to the Lord and not to ourselves. And so um, that is my heart. First and foremost is just to live out my faith and try to live it out well. But I am um, a wife and a mother of two children and um, a podcaster, which has been one of the best gifts um, that God has given me, honestly, um, and just a writer and a speaker. And, and so those are kind of the things that I spend my time doing. Um, but mainly uh, being being a mom is my number one priority. Yeah, I love that so much. And tell us because all the moms right now are in this crazy zone of figuring out life in a whole new way. Are you at home with them? Are they at school? What's going on? Uh, yeah, so so we started our quarantine like at the end of February, early March, and um, it, you know it's been wonderful to have them home. So Will is a sixth grader, middle school, and then Kate is fourth grade, and so um, they are pretty self sufficient. They're a lot of fun. We have a lot of things in common, and so and we even had a move during this time. So it's been oh, wow. very full, very good. Uh, and then school started two weeks ago, but we are virtual. And so now I'm adding, I guess, to you said what I do now I'm a teacher too. And so it's, it's been, it's been a gift to have them at home. Uh, and I think that there is a lot of good that is coming from it as far as we're learning lots of grace for one another, lots of patience <laughs> for one another. There's lots of flexibility in it. We can sleep in a little bit you know, later and um, we can go to bed a little bit later and kind of do things at our own pace. But at the same time, my kids just really miss their friends. They miss the social aspect. And honestly, there's nothing like a true teacher. You know, that's I can love my kids in lots of ways, but I've forgotten a lot of sixth grade math. So <laughs> <laughs> that's understandable. There's definitely grace seated in that for sure. That's hysterical. I think you you said that there are a lot of things that are a little bit different than what they used to be. And as a mom, and, and I'm sure you're in a, a network of other women who are mothers, like from an overall life standpoint, like what do you feel is like going to be the biggest transition or change in society, hopefully, or within the church or, or just as family units? Yeah, I I think more than anything for, for us as a family, we're realizing number one, how important family is, you know, before, my, my my little boy is super involved in athletics. And so we're just constant. And my husband was coaching in every sport. And so we roll in from one season to the next. And so most nights after school, the, my husband and my son would go off to practice. And then we'd eat dinner late, you know, in shifts. And my little girl and I would be together and they'd be together. And so, you know, especially at the very beginning of quarantine, we were taking family walks and family dinners and just really, you know, slowing down. And now that things have started to pick back up, it's interesting how quickly we've gone back to just the same old same old like let's go and let's run and let's go from the things to you know but we we realize how even though there it can sometimes be exhausting it's also very life-giving and I think the reason it is is because it's given us purpose it's given us and how much we love people I think that that's where I was going with all of that is how much we missed being with other people, that social aspect and how we are just created for relationship. That's how God created us. And so when you, it was nice to have that as a family unit, but we really missed investing in other people and having them invest in us. And so I think that going back to a little bit more normal, it's not all the way there yet. It's that's, those are the things that we really want to remember and hang on to. 
I love that. I think that's really true and actually not a perspective that I've heard many people share um, because they have had this experience with one another that they really hadn't had up until that point. So I do think that there's going to be this like milestone in our kids' lives, in our own lives of remember when, remember that time when. And we have um, a book that of a fellow podcaster. Her name was Kate, actually, and it was called The, the Conversation Book. And it's a book that sits by our... Um, our kitchen table and it's really one of the that and for some reason our bathroom because our kids are still little so it's like our gathering place it's either the kitchen table or that or the bed or the bathroom and um it's a book that unpacks like your highs and lows of the day as well as like um a specific question around whatever the different conversation is around so you can just take note and write those things down and i've just loved that i think as a society we're becoming more aware and more in tune with like what are our emotions how are we feeling about this process you know there's there there are those that are outraged there are those that are at peace about it there are those that are loving it because they don't have to go to their job and i love that part specifically because i feel like so many have been propelled and activated into a new space of dreaming where they can actually say like I want something new for my life. I want to be more free like this, and I want to provide for my family like this more often. How can I do that? Do you feel like there's been a shift in in your women group or friend group or just entrepreneurs as you've noticed? You know, I think, um, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I think that we we all thought that we. I don't know. I actually think that I was on the right track. And I know that sounds funny. Um, I, I will say that I enjoyed the no makeup, the the no schedule, the not real clothes type thing. And, and I have noticed a little bit now that things are starting to um Oh, no, you guys, I think we lost control so much of um I could control what I was seeing and control who was seeing me and if that makes any sense and so now it's like okay I'm re-entering society again and I need to wear the right clothes and put my makeup on again and do my hair and I mean honestly this is the first time I really have gotten dressed (laughs) makes me wonder why am I doing that when that's not you know, we, it's funny years ago, we had, um, family pictures and my little girl, I said, well, I just want to do very realistic pictures, you know, like our day to day lives. And, um, she said, well, mom, that would be you in yoga pants with a ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think that people are just realizing how, how much we do value other people and how much we do um, value, getting to go out and do and explore an adventure and, um, and dream for that matter. So, yeah, I love that. I'd love for you to like, we're going to go way back now, kind of infuse and tell us a bit about where you started, how you got on this road, not necessarily to motherhood, but even just the love offering, like, what does that mean to you? And how did it get established? Cause clearly it is about other people. And so I'd love to just, I'd love to hear what that storyline looked like. Yeah, you know, it, it actually, so my, going way back, I was saved in middle school, but it was out of fear. I, I just didn't want to go to hell. And so it took a very long time for me to learn of God's love. And so now it's now that I've gotten to experience that in a relationship with him, his love, then I just want to share his love with other people. And so, but once I didn't really get serious and learn of his love until after I had children. And so even though I felt like I was saved, it was like, you know how we just continue to learn of his character and our relationship grows. It's like he was savior and then he was Lord. And then I've started to know him as father. And and it's just continued um, to grow, I guess, in for me in intimacy, if that makes sense. And so once I had children, I really wanted to start to get involved and it started just at Will was one and I was hesitant to even go out at all. It was a very much a season of 
um, seclusion because I was nursing him. He was not well behaved. And I, so, but eventually I thought I'm going to go to toddler tales and I don't care if even, you know, sits in my lap. Well, I, I went to toddler tales. I met somebody who invited me to mops. Then I met somebody at mops that invited me to church. Then I went to church and they invited me to women's ministry and then once I got into going into women's ministry, then I got really plugged in into the service aspect of women's ministry. And so I went from the season of seclusion and very much alone. And although I loved being a mother, I just felt this sense of I'm not completely fulfilled. I'm not completely I don't know, satisfied, if that makes any sense. And so as I continued to get invited by other people, and then I started serving in the church, this feeling of unfulfillment, as I kept pouring out, letting God pour in, and I kept pouring out, I was like, wait a minute, I'm fulfilling my mission, and now I'm feeling fulfilled. And so that was kind of this this first inclination of service. There's something to this servanthood um, idea. And so one night... I woke up and I had just been reading The Happiness Project. It's been years ago. And so I woke up and I thought, there's something different. I feel like from a spiritual standpoint, there's more than just seeking our happiness. And so I woke up with this idea, the service project. You know, what does it look like to continually serve? Who in the Bible continually served? How did they offer their love? What were their offerings? And so that was kind of the first inclination of the journey. And then fast forward, um, I was sitting in the pew at our local church and in front of me are these love offering envelopes. And so normally those are for monetary giving. But it occurred to me that metaphorically speaking, that we as human beings are love offerings, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, that we are here because he first loved us to give him, you know, us his son, Jesus. And then Jesus lived on this earth and showed us how to love. And then now we're commanded to love because he first loved us. And so this idea that we are here for a purpose, there is work to do and we need to go and be those hands and feet. We need to be love offerings so that we can make this invisible God visible to people here on earth. Oh my so that, goodness. That was a long story, wasn't it? It's so good. It's so good. I love all of it. And I love like that physical um, viewing of the love offering and, and realizing that like, right, like all essentially we just need to put our whole body in there because like we are love, right? Like he's within us and he is love and therefore we are love. And that's why we're called to show that to others. And I just think that that's such a cool um, visible that I'll, I'll probably never get rid of. So curious when you say author, because I haven't done enough research, do you have the love offering book? Because there needs to be a whole book around this. I see it coming to fruition. So, okay. So that makes me so happy. Thank you for saying that. So yes, that's the dream. That's the dream. I am working with an agent right now to um, fine tune the proposal to send to publishers. So Look yeah, at that. I mean, I'm like prophetic or something. I hope so. I hope so. So yeah, you know, and, and honestly, you kind of, the love offering podcast, it's interesting how that even transpired because um, it was funny because I, I actually am pretty um, uh, insecure and I'm an introvert. And it's funny because we were talking like, and I just want everybody to know this, like um, Tam, like I sent Tamara over this list of questions, you know, it's like, here's what I'm going to ask you. And then I said, well, what are you going to ask me? And she goes, oh, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead. And I'm like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I need it scripted. I want to edit this. And she's like, nope, <laughs> nope, we're not going to do that. And so if that gives anybody the kind of personality type that I am, I like things very controlled, very structured. I want to um, be like super prepared, you know, and um, all that to say. So I had a lady that was helping me with marketing and she said, Rachel, just the way that um, Facebook is going, you've got to get video. You've got to start videoing yourself. And I said, mm, <laughs> no, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not comfortable with it. And so she said, well, what if you videoed other people? And so I was like, well, 
Now I could do that because then I could put the spotlight on them. I'm more comfortable with like spotlighting other people. And so I said, but then I've got to, you know, do my hair and makeup every day. I need to, you know, how am I going to do that with like going to different locations and hiring a videographer? And so all that to say, we ended up going for the, the audio version, which is a podcast, no hair and makeup and being able to just talk to people all around um, the nation really and the world conceivably I haven't yet and so just getting able to talk to people who are loving people well with the gifts that they have been given and it's been amazing because I never realized I kind of did it it was like I had no vision for it I really didn't I was just like okay I'll try that and then now two years later two seasons later I've been able to connect with so many amazing women and see how they're giving their love offerings and they're all different but they're all equally as valuable and equally as as important i love that so much so it's like the big dream having the book incorporate other people's stories and love offerings it does um yeah i mean i love you know obviously biblical examples and i mean the all through the bible people are giving their love and of course jesus was the best example of that but then i think we also need to realize how do i do this in my own life I need to know practically day to day, because I think so often, especially me as a mom who is pretty much at home and I'm and I'm teaching my children. And so how to how am I giving my love now? And sometimes it feels very small and it feels very insignificant, but it's not to the Lord. And it's not, you know, shaping the lives and the identities of my children goodness, like, could there be anything more important than that? And I want to be a really good steward of what God has given me, whether the world thinks it's small and insignificant or not. Um, And so... That's so beautiful. It's so good and so intentional. And I feel like such a message for today of all days, because right now in Virginia Beach, a lot of listeners are going to be listening and tuning in and it's their kiddos' first days of school here. And it, it does feel that way. It feels like wait, I'm being ripped from one thing and I'm being thrust into another situation and it feels insignificant because I'm supposed to be doing this really significant thing, right? But really Mm -hmm. there's significance in both, sure, because I I am all for advocating for the thing that we're called to do, but at the same time, we're also called to our first ministry, which is our home, and nurturing those babies is, is unprecedented, right? And so realizing that the, I've talked about this just on your podcast, that ripple effect concept that I love so deeply is that you might just be infusing and and growing like the next so-and-so, right? Like I'm thinking Jesus because I'm sure Mary had no idea what was to come. But to Uh think about any of those opportunities, that one human being is going to come into contact with thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of other people. And if they are now affecting change, if they're being a disciple, if they're showing back to what you're saying, the love that was then submitted to them from their mother through the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't get paid enough for something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 So talk to us. So you were saved in middle school, but in this religious pattern. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us? Like, not that it has to be a denominational breakdown per se, um, but what did that look like and how did that act out and how you followed the rules, if you will? Yeah, it's interesting you picked up on that um, because I, as in general, as a person, I'm very much an achiever, kind of that perfectionist um, and the giver all there, all wrapped in one. So I want to be a, like a really good giver, you know, a really good at offering my love. But, um, and so I think my tendency is to kind of be that legalistic approach. Um, I think it's very much like, give me the checkbox of things to do, Lord, and I'm going to do them and I'm going to work. You know, like James is one of my favorite people in the Bible because he's like, without works, you know, your faith is dead. You know, you, you need better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so that kind of is my tendency. And honestly, I feel like that is um, that is our mission. I mean, it's the Great Commission. That's what we're all called to do. And so, but I really can get caught up in that, like, saying, okay, at the end of the day, Lord, this is what I accomplished for you. Now, what do you want me to do tomorrow? 
And, and I, although I think that there's a lot of good in that, I think that then I can say, OK, if I had a good or a bad day, then God loves me more. I'm trying to earn God's love. And as we know, like we can't earn God's love. We can't strive for it. It just is because. It just is. He just loves us because he created us and he died for us. And so um, it's taken a very long time for me to let go and surrender um, my need for maybe approval. And I don't know if it's been God for so long. It was um, I thought it was God's approval, but now I'm realizing it's kind of man's approval um, and trying to just realize that it's a very personal um, walk with the Lord and that I don't have to prove myself to him. And, and I think that that was modeled from a lot of people in my life. God has brought a lot of other women that have modeled that well, just women's ministers and women that I worked with personally um, before um, being a stay at home mom and just seeing women really walk out their faith authentically. And I think that that's why it's so important to share our stories. And, um, and that's why I like sharing other women's stories so much is to, to see that we all don't have it all together, that we all are, that lots of grace is involved, but that at the end of the day, um, God loves us regardless of what we accomplished. So good. That's so true. And I feel like from a legalistic perspective, I never really put that term on the way that I walked out my faith when I was younger as well. Um, but again, I share that like perfectionism piece and like, I love a good checklist. Like I am all for at the end of the day, like having it all marked off and I'm like, okay, my work here is done. And realizing that there's never like an ending to the checklist of the Lord, but he also doesn't have check boxes for us. So coming mm-hmm. into understanding of what does that look like from the achiever perspective, from the perfectionist perspective. And ultimately we talked about it is it's the release of control. It's the release or the need of having to perform and realizing just by the nature of who we are, just by being born into his kingdom again, that he loves us and that love is enough. And so I, I think that there's so many conversations that can happen in the storyline of your life and the storyline of what it is that you're bringing to the table as your ministry now. Um, I would love to hear, like, from your children's perspective, how have they seen, since they've been home now more often, like, what it is that you do? Do they understand it? Do they get ministry? Like, how are they active in the church? Because my kiddos are a little bit behind you. So we're seven and five, kindergarten and first grade. And, and I, I so deeply desire for them to get plugged in, but to also always understand, like, what mommy does when I'm not with them. Do you feel like you've been sitting on the dream God has given you for far too long? Do you feel out of alignment or obedience because of it? Or perhaps you've been spinning your wheels on how to answer God's call, but can't quite define or design it into a business? Maybe you've titled this God Dream a Ministry, one you wholeheartedly give all of your time and energy to, yet your passion isn't providing the profit you need to sustain your home, your first ministry. Do you struggle with the idea of earning money doing something you believe he'd want you to do in servanthood? Do you feel unworthy as a woman to possess wealth? Y'all, I get it. I've been in every one of those shoes, and I can promise you the moment I traded those worn-out sandals for his intended comfort, I was able to finally walk the miles it has taken to grow the dream from ideation to activation catapulting my true passions into my full purpose. And now, while I've had a joy to group coach many women over the past couple of years in a group setting, I still sense there are missing straps to their well-made shoes. So I designed this course, the God Dream Design Course, to walk alongside you intimately until you've claimed the gift of the shoes he has always wanted for you. You're probably wondering if this is the surefire way to claim your roots and discover your wings as a kingdom entrepreneur, why are we talking about shoes? Well, these aren't Nikes, they aren't Yeezys, whatever the kids call them these days, and I am not giving you sandals like Hermes either. God's shoes truly fly. God's shoes have limitless souls that never wear down. They are promised to get you where he has shown you that you were intended to be. 
So come along for the ride. Get out of that stuck analysis paralysis state of limitation and develop the mindsets, methods, and models to bring to life the vision he has planned for you before you were knit in your mother's womb. Sign up today for your self-paced program where I will actually provide you live coaching, a community of women to walk this journey alongside, a package of goodies right at your doorstep, and many more incredible deliverables. You can find all of the details on my site at tamraandress.com. Don't forget, Tamara is T-A-M-R-A. I got the good version. Thanks, Mom. But really, girls, it's time to fly. I promise it's as spring as it sounds. See you soon. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And I think for me, if I'm being honest, there's been a lot of guilt um, because when I'm doing things like this, then I'm not being with them. And so like right now, my little girl's playing Legos and my little boy is playing PlayStation. You know, But I also think that there is something to be said about them seeing me dream. Um, And then seeing me work hard towards a goal, then seeing me persevere when things get hard, you know, when I get rejected, a submission rejected, or, you know, I've been working on a proposal for an entire year trying to fine tune it. And so seeing things come from start to finish and um, seeing, I think that my focus, I hope, I pray that they see it's, it's done, it's done for the Lord. And so it has been a little bit more difficult, I think, because both of them, they're of the age that they can understand how to serve. And they were very, we used to, um, before coronavirus go, we had a backpack ministry where it's called Project 5810, where we pack bags for um, kids for the weekends when they're not being fed during um, the school year. And so, you know, things like that, and even church, our church, the children's activities are not up and running still where we are. And so trying to figure out how do we give our love really to society when we are stuck at home, you know, when we're not, um, but but my little boy, you know, he, he is at football practice. And so how does he live out uh, the great commission there? My little girl is doing gymnastics right now. So, you know, we are involved. We are around people in some way going to the grocery store. How do you treat the cashier? You know, there's, there's always um, people that we are somehow uh, in contact with. And so how are we sharing God's love and giving light um, there? You know, it's a constant mission, but it has been a little bit more complicated because we haven't been able to specifically go to church, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's so true. But I think that that's also like the, the even the greater call, right, of the Great Commission is just like not being within those four walls and activating even still and realizing that. I know for me, like I was telling somebody the other day, I'm like, I'm the worst neighbor. And she was like, what? Like, I could never see you as a bad neighbor. And I'm like, well, like my husband, they consider him like the mayor of the community. Like he's just always out and about. He knows everybody's names. He knows their dog's names. Like he knows what car they drive. And I'm just like, what's their name again? All the time. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's because when I'm with people like you, like I'm never going to forget your name. And I go and we dive so deep that like there is an imprint. And so I need to, in that moment, moment, I kind of convicted my own self to be like, I should really get to know my neighbors more and realizing that there are small ways and then there are big ways. But ultimately, it's just a matter of what does that love look like and how can you then cultivate it on a continual basis? Because your neighbors are a very important part of your life. But additionally, like a neighbor would be, you know, the homeless one on the side of the street and treating them no different than I would treat anybody else and actually coming to find out their story. And we've got beautiful ministry opportunities in our community to do things like that. Um, But are we showing up in those places and what what matters to your heart? Because again, knowing that we all have our own unique identity and purpose is also realizing that one, we can't do all the things. <laughs> so maybe that's not what I'm called to, but there are people who are supposed to do that and they can stand in the gap for you, but you have to recognize who those people are and like come into community with them so that you're a collective force. So I love mm-hmm. that your kids like are are even just thinking through that, but also seeing you activate in those places, I think is so critical. I think another piece of this love conversation and this being at home and this experience is like, what has this been like for your marriage? So you said you didn't really come into this knowing until you had kids and I was similar. So I would love to hear what your storyline was like in your marriage. 
Yeah. You know, I think that is a really good question. And I'm so glad that you asked because I think so many times we feel like we need to love our neighbor. Like we just talked about, who are you around? Well, who are we around more than anybody else? I mean, really our husbands, you know, and um, he actually, he grew up in a Christian home, very, always went to church. I did not. Um, His parents are still married. Mine were divorced. Um, He has his sister. She is married to um, a pastor. So they have a a church. And so all that to say, he had a very strong spiritual background. And so once I met him, it um, it obviously helped me in my spiritual walk as well. But I think as far as like being love offerings um, to our husbands. We talk about this a lot, my husband and I, because I said, what is it, when do you feel most loved by me? And so I think what we have kind of identified is that it's not simply um, just saying that we love each other, although we do that quite a bit. It's that we are continuing. And you said earlier, you said it's a continual thing. It's a daily thing. Like I can do something nice for him or show him love you know, yesterday, but he needs me to do it again today and then again tomorrow. And so it's this constant, like, I see a need, I'm paying attention, I'm noticing something in you and I see that, but not only do I see that need, I'm going to go the extra mile and I'm going to meet that need for you, whatever it may be. And for, you know, for all of our husbands, it's something different. And it could be as simple as like my husband, he's not a coffee drinker, but he's like um, a cold, you know, a cold brew drinker. And so he'll, I put that in, in his, in the refrigerator every single morning so that, you know, in the morning in that he feels loved by that or just calling and saying, Hey, I'm thinking about you. How was your day today? Or, you know, whatever, making sure he's got clean socks or whatever. I don't know what your husband's love language is, but um, so I think it's just that, this idea of um, consistency and seeing a need and not only just seeing it, but going the extra mile to meet it. But I think more than anything, I'm noticing it's not just the neighbors outside of our home, but it's it's the people inside of our home that need the love offering just as much. I love that so much. And I think it's so powerful, one, to see again how God uses people and his desires for us individually. Like without him, who knows where you would be in your walk and in your faith. And and then again, for the children that were unborn, they had to be underneath the wing of you and him. And so I just, I think it's so incredible um, because I feel like I'm in a space where it's less people who grew up in a Christian home. It's less people who have siblings who are pastors, right? And And so it's realizing the critical point of our job and our children's role to play that Jesus in their life, that they might never see or hear about the Bible, yet we live in a common day era where everybody has access to one and can freely read it. Imagine going to other countries where that's not the case. And so, you know, just realizing what our role is in the love offerings that we provide others, I think is so amazing. I had actually done something, I think I might have shared on on this podcast before, called the um, the Husband Project. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I did this when I was brand new in my faith, and it was such a hard thing for me to do. It was a 31-day challenge where every single day you had to essentially do a love offering. That's not what they called it, but for your husband without telling him. And him, in your hopes, recognizing it and being like, oh, I feel love today. Well, you guys, if you are not used to doing these daily affirmations of love and you start them out of nowhere, one, it's like, why are you doing that? And then two, it's like completely ignored because it's just an expectation. If it's something that you do all the time, such as providing clean socks. And so realizing that like the things that we do, no matter how small or how grandiose, all matter. And just Mm -hmm. being really intentional with the, I get to provide you clean socks versus I have to provide you clean socks, pick up your dang underwear for the thousandth Mm -hmm. time, right? And so it's just really important that we recognize in those relationships, in our marriage, that this is like a symbiotic give take, right? And so as much as we desire to provide those love offerings, we also need to receive those love offerings. And I love that you started the entire conversation right there about him with the fact that you asked each other questions and you actually Mm -hmm. sat down and you communicated. And 
I feel like that's the missing link almost all the time is just this expectation of one another. Like, I need you to love me and you need to love me and this is what a marriage is. Well, if there's no communication and there's no like premise of, well, how do you need to be loved and how should I expect to love you or receive your love in return, it's really hard to be on the same page because none of us are the same in that give-take experience. Yeah. You know, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking, I don't know if you've ever read Love and Respect. Um, so and I'm just thinking about, you know, we are very familiar with the unconditional love part. And I know that's been the most of our conversation, the sacrificial love. But it's also for our husbands, it's this unconditional respect and it's whether they deserve it or not. And I think that, in that but at the same time, we want to be loved whether we deserve it or not, which is what, again, what Jesus does for us. And I think, gosh, what a challenge that is in all of our relationships, husbands, children, friends, parents, you know, sisters in Christ to just say, look, I know your flaws. I know your imperfections and I love you anyway, you know, and, and regardless of all that. And, um, and I'm going to continue loving you anyway. And, um, I think something that I have noticed with the most when I, because actually in every um, podcast episode, I say, you know, who has loved you well and how have they loved you well? And most of the time, the most common answer I get is that people were present and they showed up. And so, you know, when we talk about, because I think I shared this in, in the interview with you is, you know, so many times I doubt my gifts and I say, well, gosh, what do I have to offer? I feel very inadequate. What do I have to give? But people really genuinely just want you to just be there for them. They really, you know, you don't have to do anything extravagant. And I feel like it's love that makes all of our gifts useful. And because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and we have the fruit of the Spirit, that means we have love. We have his love in us, which is the agape love, which means then we can pour out that love. But the key is, is we've got to be poured into first, which we are because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Um, but then we have something of value to share. That's really amazing. That's so true. And I love like unpacking the agape love and love and respect is actually a Bible study that my really close girlfriend from prodigal to princess always puts marriage couples through because I think for us it's love and for men it's usually respect and 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 knowing the symbiotic piece of that in our relationships is just really critical and I remember when we were walking through a really difficult time in our marriage and this was my coming into understanding this relational experience with God him as well as simultaneously and recognizing God as a father for the first time in my life, which I love that you explained that character piece of the Lord because he's so many things, um, and and I needed to understand him as a father. And the only way that I was able to do that was once I had children. So I think God is so intentional in the timing of, of him showing himself to you in the different areas and the different character traits that he possesses. But to go back to what I was saying is understanding that he has this incredible ability to to show up in a place of respect as well. And my husband was unpacking it and he would count it and he would actually point it out in other women when they would respect their husband. He kept saying, I just love the way that she respects him. And it constantly like had me in a self-reflection mode of, am I not respecting you? Like, I respect you, right? Like, in defense, I respect you. Of course I respect you. But then Mm -hmm. really understanding at a a ground level, like, what is respect? And how can we build our life's examples and our life's testimonies and our words and our affirmations and all of those things around a place that you feel respected? And so that there's an expectation that then you can release because I am going to love and respect you regardless because that is my mm-hmm. role as a wife. So I love I love just conversating with people about marriage because I think it's something that isn't done all the time. And also sometimes, especially when I'm talking to another ministry leader, right? It, be, it could become for others, mm, again, legalistic. It could become mm-hmm. in this place of, oh, they've got that perfect marriage figured out. But I desperately want people to understand when we are unpacking these things that it's not from a place of shame or guilt, but it's a place of recognition and deep trying, okay? Like there is a lot of work in this. It does not happen naturally. And especially with having kiddos, 
I mean, I lose track on him being my number one ministry so much more often than I could ever lose track of my children. And then in that same regard that I could ever lose track of like a client or a customer or a community member because I feel like they need me and mm -hmm. they're just going to be there anyway. Right. Yeah. But the people that are there anyway, those are the ones that need to who will be there to fill you up in order for you to be there on the outset. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I fall into kind of the same trap. Trap might be the, not be the right word, but I have a tendency to do the same thing. And in fact, it makes me think, you know, in the very beginning of my relationship with my husband, um, because I didn't have the relationship with the Lord, I ex wanted him to fill up, you know, like fill me up because I, I need your approval again. I need you to tell me that I'm valuable. I need I need you to be everything for me. And then once I then had that relationship with the Lord, everything kind of switched. It's like, well, I'm actually good. I don't, I don't need you. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I, say, I hope everybody knows that I'm being. Um, but, you know, because the Lord, the Lord started to fill me up. And so it freed my husband in so many ways. Um, and because because my husband is a very independent um, man. And so I'm like, he's good. He doesn't necessarily need me either. You know, yes. like he's good. And so I do think we have a tendency uh, to do that. And then I wanted to um, touch on something that you said about marriage, because um, in that love and respect book, they actually said that the reason that marriages survive is because those people didn't give up. And so I think it's it's very true that, you know, we are all kind of in this process, you know, like that's the Christian life, the sanctification. I feel like marriage is very much a sanctifying, like sharpening type relationship. Iron sharpens iron. And, um, and I, and I'm thankful for that. And so I think it just knowing that we are all in process until God calls us home, gives me a lot more grace for my husband to say, okay, you know, let's, let's regroup. You're in process. I'm in process. Let's start again and do it again um, tomorrow. But just, but knowing and kind of embracing, like we're sanctifying each other and that's a good thing. We want to be more like Jesus. And so we're just, uh, the next day we're going to be a little bit more like him prayerfully. That's so good. And again, gives you guys the release of the control in the situation and the release of the ability to fill each other's cup to the full brim, because that's not really our full job. And, and having that understanding is just something that I could have never comprehended when I first understood what or who Jesus was or what Christianity was for back in middle school. And so I'm, I think it's really cool that we have that parallel in timing because it's just been an evolution and a becoming process for me and something that I, I hope frees people. If you're listening to this and you're not in that space of feeling like I understand all the facets and facets of Jesus that they're talking about, you might not. And I know that there's way more to who he is that I haven't quite understood yet either. And, and understanding right now as I'm un unpacking the life and the situations that we're in as a country and a world predicament, understanding that God is still the God of the Old Testament as much as he is the God of the New Testament. And where does that play into today? And so that's a, like a big conversation. We could be here for an entire other podcast to go into that. But I'd love to hear just a bit of your heart on how you see the love offering playing out for for this for such a time as this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like I mean, we are all always in need of love. I mean, that's just like from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, that's just this the story. But I think. I don't know, for whatever reason, it really feels like, especially now, you know, that, that this there's so much hurt and there's so much discord and there's so much need, I think, for hope right now. And so maybe every day we just approach the day. OK, who has God put me in front of today and how can I offer them love? And so and just knowing that God created them just like he created me and you and that they everybody is worthy of that love. And if you don't have the strength to do it in your own strength, he is going to give you the ability to do that. Just like we talked about that agape love doesn't come from us. And so um, I think more than ever, it's, it's this trying to make something intangible, tangible, because the reality is, is God isn't seen. Right. I mean, we 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 the more time we spend in the, his word, we can hear his voice and in worship music and in prayer. Um, and so for those that have never met him before, we have got to the only way that they can see him is through us. 
And so to me, there's never been a better time to extend love and offer our love to everybody around us. Oh, I love that so much. It's so right. And I'm so excited. So the book's coming eventually, you guys. But right now, you can still tune into the Love Offering podcast. And how else like, do you interact with people besides the podcast? Um, where are you spending your most time with? How can we get in communi- community with you? Yeah, I would love for women to tune into the podcast. It really is just interview style like this to celebrate and catalyze extraordinary givers. You know, I really, um, I, I really, it kind of sounds pageanty, but I genuinely want to make this world a better place. You know, I feel like that is why we are here. And if we're not doing that, what are we doing? You know, yes, right? Yes. We've got work to do. And it's not just about deeds because it's our our faith is what leads us into salvation, but it's our um, deeds that make our faith genuine, right? And so um, that's what the podcast is about, is practical ways that other women are using their gifts to um, to love the Lord and love others around them. And so, yeah, just that can be found wherever um, any listening platform. And and then, yeah, just on Instagram and on Facebook, um, Rachel Adams Author. I'd love to connect with women there. And, um, and then just my website, rachelkadams.com. So fun, Rachel. I feel so blessed by this conversation. And I really do feel like it was so timely. Again, I love that, like, I think we had to postpone our thing a couple times. We had to change the timing so many times. I am so grateful that it was today. And I hope that all of the people listening on the podcast to come, they just feel present. Because that's how I really felt during this conversation. Because I feel like it really is for such a time as this. And it really is a necessary conversation that we're having with our loved ones on a consistent basis. And to realize even that conversation that stemmed from our marriage, like asking someone, best friend, your kiddos, your mom, your dad, like, how can I love you better? And how do you feel loved most by me? And and just unpacking that with the people that you're positioned around and realizing that everyone needs love and receives love differently. And it's really... If we're called to love, that isn't an easy thing. There's a lot that goes behind that. And so the process of us becoming better at loving, like that sounds like an awesome calling. Like I'm all in for that. So in your book, I expect there to be, give me some to-do lists. Give me some checklists in my love offering. (laughs) Because I just, I think that's so good. And and because everybody does it so differently, I need to go back and listen to all of your podcasts to listen in on how, other people are loving well because I know my understanding of love is is so minuscule to God's understanding of love. Mm -hmm. And if we're all like God, created by God, we should all be loving differently. So there's a lot to learn. And I'm excited that you have a podcast all about that. So thank you for, for doing the Great Commission in your work and just doing so in such a beautiful, I can sense your humility, and um, it's, it's really beautiful to watch. So thank you, and I'm excited to be in community with you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, y'all, see you soon. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. 
Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.